Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to the latest edition of the Hub of Champions podcast with your host, Shukri Rice, wherever you may be, however you may be listening and watching the podcast on YouTube. I appreciate you always. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button for the podcast. Hub of Champions, you can um, subscribe to the pod on Apple Podcasts, iHeart, wherever you listen to your podcast as well. Subscribe to the YouTube channel at Shukri Writes. That's the best way to get notified as to when I am um, dropping a brand new episode of the Hub of Champions podcast for your viewing pleasure on YouTube. It's going to be a Patriots-heavy podcast for very obvious reasons. There have been two pretty significant news that have broken surrounding the New England Patriots over the course of the last um, 24 plus hours and I figured that this episode of the podcast would be appropriate to talk about my thoughts and my feelings on both news but first I want to start off the podcast talking about the fact that Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots have mutually agreed to part ways after 24 seasons as head coach and GM of the New England Patriots I think it's important to know that in sports, it is incredibly rare that legendary coaches or managers typically have a good ending where they have presided as the leader of those teams and organizations in which that they led. It's rare that you see that legends, especially in the coaching or managing professions, ride off into the sunset without any sort of negative uh, move or negative um, headline to follow them as well. You think about Joe Torre when he was the manager of the New York Yankees, how Things did not end well with him with the Yankees when the Yankees did not offer him the contract that he was looking for when he was hoping to stay past the 2007 postseason. I think of Bill Jackson, how his tenure ended with the Chicago Bulls when he, at that time, prior to the 1997-1998 season, had led to the Chicago Bulls to five NBA championships in seven years. And how the late general manager, um, Jerry Cruz, or Krause, wanted to end his tenure as head coach of the, of the Chicago Bulls, the Dynasty Bulls, at the conclusion of the 1997-1998 season and how there was so much tension surrounding that. I think of... Uh, of um, like you talk about the MLB, I talk about the NBA, the NHL. I think of Claude Julian. I think of Claude Julian, the winningest head coach in Boston Bruins history, Stanley Cup champion, led the team to another Stanley Cup Finals. His tenure didn't end well in Boston. His tenure with the club did not end well. He was let go. He was fired in February of 2017, as we all remembered, and. That goes to show you that in sports, it is rare that you see legendary head coaches 
in their tenures ceremoniously or riding off into the into the sunset. It is awfully rare. It just doesn't happen often. Bill Belichick now joins that list of coaches who have had successful tenures with said organization to see it come to a crashing end. The reality is, no matter the wording, is that Belichick was fired. And this move should come as no surprise, especially after the 4-13 and season that Bill Belichick had at the as the head coach of the New England Patriots. With that being said, I think it's important to reflect and just pause on looking at the just the staggering body of work that Bill Belichick did as his time as head coach of the New England Patriots. You have to start with the consecutive winning seasons, 17 of them. Then you look at the nine AFC championships. And then you look at the six Super Bowls. Obviously, all of them were with Tom Brady as his quarterback. You have to look at the fact that not only did he win those rings, those championships, but he also was the architecture of some pretty dominant Patriot defenses, a couple in which were among the best, if not the best in the NFL. I think back to the 2003 Patriots who had the best record in the NFL and arguably had the best defense in the NFL that year. Belichick's body of work over the over the 24 seasons that he was head coach of the New England Patriots should not be diminished. It should not be belittled. It should not be glossed over as, oh, well, he did all of that with Brady considering how difficult as we all now know how difficult it is to have such a prolonged run of just not just winning, but dominance at that for 20 years. You see it in the NFL now. You see it with Kansas City, what they're trying to do. They're back in the playoffs. They're trying to become the first team to repeat since, guess when? The 2003 and 2004 New England Patriots. It's been 20 years. It hasn't happened. And it goes to show you that it is very difficult to have a prolonged stretch, a dominant stretch as long as the Patriots have. You can think to to, to some of the other great dynasties in NFL history. You can think back to the Steelers dynasty of the 70s. You can think back to the Niners run of excellence in the 1980s. And you can even include the Patriots as well. Bill Belichick, when it's basically now that it's all said and done, you can say that what he did during that stretch is something that we will never see again. It is going to be incredibly weird and strange when training camp begins this July and Bill Belichick is not there for the first time since 1999. It is going to be strange when you turn into the first Patriots preseason game in August and the first 
Patriots regular season game week one in September. And you don't see Bill Belichick on the sideline. Bill Belichick had one hell of a run. He had himself a a dynasty in which that it has never been done in the history of the NFL. Heck, in the history of sports. And we will very, very likely never see anything like that again. Which is why now that the Bill Belichick era is over in New England, I think it is important while the criticism as to how he's handled things over the last couple of seasons is is fair, but it would be wrong, it would be foolish to completely neglect the fact that he was the architect behind the greatest dynasty in the history of the NFL and the history of professional sports for 20 years. It would be wrong to not give that man his flowers because he deserves his flowers at the end of the day. I think it is even more important now that now that the the smoke has just begun to settle and just started to dissipate, to look back on what really was such a special era between 2000 and 2019, and yes, I'm including 2000 because it was Belichick's first year, but how special that that run of 20 seasons, 20 years was between Belichick and Brady, and we all remember that's a, that game between the Jets and Patriots on September 23rd, 2001, in which that Bledsoe was knocked out, and Brady came into the game, and that changed the history of the NFL. And I think that in itself, in itself, obviously we know how monumental of a moment that was. But you also got to give credit to Bill Belichick for the fact that during his time, he made some pretty gutsy decisions. You remember the gutsy decision that he made to move on from um, from, from lawyer Malloy, and it worked out. The gutsy decision to to stick with Tom Brady and to name Tom Brady his starting quarterback, even after Drew Bledsoe came back from injury and after his performance in the 2001 AFC championship game. And he was right. The fact that he decided that he was going to move on from Adam Vinatieri and, and go and go to Steven Goskowski as his kicker. And it worked out. I say that's to say simply not all of his moves have worked out. And I think that is 100% fair to say, and it's the truth. But some of the gambles that he made certainly turned into game changers, important ones at that. And I think it's important that while the end of a legendary era has arrived in New England for the Patriots, it is important to look back and to appreciate what he has accomplished, especially during a Patriots dynasty that lasted 20 years in the NFL. 
Coming up next, I want to share with you my thoughts on the second big piece of news that broke for the New England Patriots and my pros and my cons in terms of this decision that was made by Robert Kraft. That and much more coming up next here on the Hub of Champions podcast with Shukri Wright on Believe Network and wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Hub of Champions podcast with your host, Shukri Wright. Glad you're able to tune into the podcast, wherever you may be, however you may be watching or listening to the pod. You can watch the podcast on YouTube. Just type in Hub of Champions with Shukri Wright. And as well as listen to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts and however you get your podcasts as well. So during this segment of the podcast, I actually want to share with you my thoughts on the Patriots' next move after the dismissal, or should I say the mutual parting of the organization and Bill Belichick. And I have some thoughts to share with you on the hiring and the decision to turn to Gerard Mayo as the new head coach of the New England Patriots. First and foremost, there was a clause in Gerard Mayo's contract in which that is stipulated that he would become the next head coach of the New England Patriots once Bill Belichick was no longer the head coach of the Patriots. And I gotta be real with you. I thought that I thought that was really huge and important. When because when Gerard Mayo was negotiating his next contract, it's pretty clear that the man wanted to become the next head coach of the Patriots at some point. And in fact, once once it it was known that Gerard Mayo had a real shot of being named the head coach. People started to look back on on when the news first broke and say, hey, you know what? The Patriots kind of tipped their hand a bit saying that, you know what, Gerard Mayo is going to be the next guy. And I think that in itself is huge, and it's huge for another reason, and I am going to go there. It is great to see an African-American Get the opportunity we had coaching the NFL. I'm going there. I'm going there because we all know too well that African Americans being head coach in the NFL are far and few and in between. Very far and few. Across the NFL, I want you to name me all of the African-American head coaches across the National Football League right now as it currently stands. I want you to. Gerard Mayo, as we all know. Mike Tomlin of the Pittsburgh Steelers. And after that, the Houston Texans head coach, yeah, him. That in itself should tell you awfully how much the scarcity of African-Americans being head coaches right now is there in the NFL. DeMarco Ryans is the head coach of the Houston Texans. So that goes to tell you, right as of right now, there's only three. 
three African-American head coaches in the league. Mike Tomlin, DeMarco Ryans, and as well as now Gerard Mayo. I'm not saying that this hire was a diversity hire. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that in the in, a, in an era in a time in which that the NFL has struggled mightily to um to hire more African Americans in head coaching and general manager positions, it is awfully damn good to see Gerard Mayo get an opportunity to to become an NFL head coach. And for those that'll say, well, he doesn't have really any uh, any experience and so forth. Really? Stop with the BS. Did Andy Reid have any experience when he first became the head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles? Or did you conveniently forget that he was an assistant with the Green Bay Packers in the 90s prior to getting the head coaching job with the Philadelphia Eagles? Oh, that's right. You forget that, didn't you? There's a number of head coaches who didn't have head coaching experience in the NFL and turned out to be some pretty damn good um, head coaches themselves. Does Kyle Shanahan ring a bell? So for those of you that are out there saying that, well, Gerard Mayo, he doesn't have any experience as a coordinator. I don't know how he's going to fare as, as a head coach. Cut the bull crap out. Just cut it out. Because it's time that you start going to new candidates and giving them opportunities to prove what they can do as head coaches, especially if you are a, a man of color, if you are a black man at that, it's time to start seeing more of that. And I'm so excited to see that Gerard Mayo, obviously Gerard Mayo as a person is very well respected, very, very well known by Patriot fans. He was a linebacker for the Patriots, played eight seasons here in New England. And what people think of him, very much highly of him, speaks volumes within the organization. Kraft thinks highly of him. Belichick thought highly of him. His teammates, his ex-teammates, as you can see based on their social media posts, think very highly of him. That's all you need to know in terms of just Gerard Mayo, the person. But as those of you that are worried about his lack of experience and so forth, stop it. He's not the first guy that's been hired without quote unquote coaching experience or, or like lack of a lack of experience as a coordinator prior to becoming a head coach. Stop it. Stop, stop the nonsense. You're making a bigger deal out of what is really not a big deal when you really look at the the reality of, of how some of these head coaches across the league have gotten their first head coaching gigs. It's been that way for years. This is nothing new. But I want to share with you a pro and a con in terms of in terms of Gerard Mayo's hiring as head coach of the Patriots. The pro. And I just talked about it. I want to elaborate on it a little bit more. The pro. He's well known within the organization as a player and as well as, as a coaching staff, being part of Belichick's um, coaching staff over the last um, few seasons. He is someone whose character and his, and, and his name 
brings a great deal of respect. And, and according to many, he's a great leader of men. You want someone who is going to take over as head coach of the New England Patriots to be someone who can lead a locker room, can lead men whose egos are sometimes bigger than the multi-million dollar contracts that they themselves play for. You want to be able to have that kind of man in that locker room. Someone who can relate to the players. Someone who can who can say, hey, you know what? I understand what it's like to be in your position. I understand what it takes to win in this league. I understand what it means to command the respect of a locker room. That's all Gerard Mayo, which is why I, at this moment in time, I'm not even worried about his ability to lead. I think he's going to do a marvelous job leading this team uh, this upcoming season in 2024. The cons of hiring Gerard Mayo. The concern that I do have is how will how will Gerard Mayo handle conflict? How will he handle losing? How will he handle the, the Boston media when things don't go the way that many people hope or believe that it can potentially go? That is my concern as far as how will he handle the media. And I think it's fair because the Boston sports media, and I'm speaking the truth here, it could rather be a little negative at times. But there are many respectable journalists that are that are in Boston sports media who do their jobs and, and know how to ask the tough questions. My concern is how does he handle, handle that adversity and how does he handle facing the media? Because we saw for 24 seasons, Bill Belichick, he was more drier than a prune both after wins and especially after losses to the Boston sports media. What I am curious to see is what will Gerard Mayo's demeanor be like? Will it be something of similarity to, to Bill Belichick, or will it be someone who is, I wouldn't say com be completely open barrel or open book to the world, no, but rather at least there is, there is a level of communication and discussion and dialogue between the coach and the media. That I wonder. And I think it's very fair to wonder that. So that is my pros and my con in regards to the Patriots hiring Gerard Mayo, my, the pro and why I support it, wh why I think it's a good idea, and the cons and, and, and the area of concern that I do have. So with that being said, I want to I take a quick break here. Coming up next, I saw something that really bothered me in regards to the Boston Celtics. I actually want to spend some time talking about it because we haven't really given the Celtics a whole lot of due time on this pod especially since the season began. So stick around. I'm going to give you my thoughts on the Celtics. Coming up next here on the Believe Network on the Hub of Champions podcast with your host, Shakri Wrights. Welcome back to the Hub of Champions podcast with your host, Shakri Wrights. Glad you're able to listen to the pod wherever you are and however you're able to watch the podcast as well on YouTube. I appreciate you as always. Again, don't forget to hit that subscribe button and 
Subscribe to the podcast, both on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, wherever you get your podcasts, and as well as YouTube. My YouTube subscribers have definitely have gone up, so I'm appreciative of that. Um, don't forget to hit that subscribe button as well on YouTube. So in this final segment of the Hub of Champions pod, I actually want to talk about the Celtics. I haven't given them a whole lot of a whole lot of love on this pod. And and this is this one is particularly warranted because I'm rather disturbed and annoyed with the Boston Celtics because what we saw, especially over the course of a two-game stretch, was one of absolute amazement and then 24 hours left feeling what the actual hell was that? You see? Because if you're a Celtics fan, I do think that there's a reason to feel annoyed. I feel annoyed. You should feel annoyed. Why do I feel annoyed about the Celtics? And here's why. Because on Wednesday's game against the Timberwolves, the best defensive team in the NBA, by the way, this season, the Celtics, despite looking rather sluggish, but especially Jason Tatum, despite looking rather sluggish offensively, he was absolutely dynamite late in the fourth quarter and in overtime. He was able to turn it on, and so did the rest of the team. They, they ratcheted up the intensity. They were able to solve the riddle that is the T-Wolves the defensively, and they, they were a pretty damn good um, defensive team in the NBA, and, and they still are. And you saw a team that looked like that this team has a chance to really become something special. And I think they still are, but, and I do mean, but you have last night, the Thursday night game against the Milwaukee Bucks in Milwaukee. And that game left you wondering, like, what the actual hell? It was so bad that TNT basically had to cut away, um, cut away from that game and try to show, I think, portions of, of, of the Knicks game instead. And the performance by the Boston Celtics would want to make anyone look away. Whether if you're a basketball fan or a network, yeah, this is so bad. We're not going to show this to you. We're, go we're not going to put you through the pain of having to watch a team get absolutely humiliated, get absolutely pants, get absolutely wet-willied. We're not going to make you watch that sort of embarrassment. Instead, we're going to show you something else and hope that is worthy of your time. My annoyance with the Celtics is, despite looking sluggish against the T-Wolves on Wednesday night, they were able to figure it out as a team and to get that dub against the Minnesota Timberwolves. But yet, against the Milwaukee Bucks, they just looked like they didn't even belong. And yes, there are people that will say, well, there were players that were injured and whatnot. I'm like, listen, cut out the excuses. How do you look amazing one night, especially in the fourth quarter if you're Jason Tatum, and then as a team, you get absolutely mollywalked 
you lose by 31 points, 135 to 102 to the to the Milwaukee Bucks, in which that it was a game that you were never truly in it to begin with. Where is the consistent focus night in and night out? Where is that consistent level of intensity? Where is the consistent level of, of, you know, carrying that momentum from one night to the next, something that the Celtics have been able to do by and large part. And I get that the Celtics are 18 and 0 at home, which is great. They were trying to, you know, maintain that level of, of, um, of remaining undefeated at home. But come on, you lay an absolute stinker in Milwaukee. And you, I, for one, can't help but to think, like, where's the consistent performance night in and night out? Overall, the Celtics have been consistent night in and night out. I'll give them that, sure. But the last 24 hours has left me feeling, come on, guys, the lack of focus and the lack of intensity in this game that's no excuse to take your foot off the gas after such an emotional win against the Minnesota um, T-Wolves. No excuse. If you're going to be a championship team, you have to be willing to consistently bring it in, like regardless if you're playing back-to-backs. Because some people will say, well, the Celtics were playing back-to-backs. Like, no, that's not an excuse. You still got to be consistent. You still got to show up, show up every single night and give it your all on the floor, on the floor both Offensively and defensively. I was just, just really disappointed in the Celtics, especially defensively, the way that they got cooked in this game against Milwaukee. Some people were trying to make the return of Drew Holiday back to Milwaukee, first time as a Celtic, a, a bigger deal than what it really is. It really was just a regular game. Was he an important member of of that Milwaukee team that won it all uh, three years ago, sure. But Drew Holiday really said it himself. It's just another game. It's a, it's another game, but if you got to keep the main thing the main thing. But the Celtics losing focus from one night to the next, yeah, that worries me. That worries me a bit because I need to I need to see a lot more of a consistent night in and night out effort by the Celtics team, regardless whether if you're at home or on the road. I need to see more of that, please. Pretty please. And that's going to wrap it up for this edition of the Hub of Champions podcast with your host, Shukri Wright. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button for the pod on Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to your podcast, and as well as on my YouTube channel at Shukri Writes as well. I look forward to talking to you again next week. It's going to be a big week for the pod. I cannot wait to share with you um, like who those guests are going to be. Follow me on Twitter where I will announce it myself. So stay tuned for that. I look forward to talking to you again next time. Take care, everybody. Hope you have a good weekend. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.